It is often said that it's easy to lead in calm waters. But with the development of the corona pandemic, the business landscape has taken a sharp turn. In this episode, we're going to look at leadership and learn about managing in the uncertain, the transformation of business models, disappearing revenue streams, and perhaps most importantly, where do you draw the line of how transparent you can be as a leader? To address these topics, we've invited Camilla Björkman, CEO of the digital magazine Breakit, the largest online publication for startup and tech entrepreneurs in Sweden. Camilla Björkman has a long career within journalism as well as a leader within various positions such as feature editor at Cosmopolitan magazine in Sweden, editor-in-chief at Driva Eget magazine, commercial chief at the digital media company Fab Media, head of business development at Breakit and now CEO of the digital startup and tech site. Who would be more suitable to give us an overview of the situation right now? Hi, Camilla, and welcome to Get Savvy. Hi, really nice to be here. We're really, really um, curious about uh, you and your relation to entrepreneurship. It seems as if you've done a lot of, you know, in your career, a lot of things have circled around this topic and you've spent a lot of, a large part of your career in, in relation to entrepreneurship. So what is it with entre- entrepreneurship that you find so interesting? Um, I, um, I started my first little business uh, during my journalism studies and um, I was studying journalism in London. You can't really tell that because my English isn't really that good at all. But <laughs> uh, anyway, I really needed money. So I um, decided to try to sell an article to a magazine in order to earn some money. Um, and I wrote this article about why women fall in love with so-called bad guys and uh, um, which was I don't know I just chose that subject for some reason I was probably in love with one myself Um, (laughs) and then I tried to sell it to um, a magazine and uh, I remember when I got the email saying like yeah we want to we want to buy your article it it was from Cosmopolitan Uh, and that was like the best feeling in the world Um, and then I decided that I'm going to do this for the rest of my life I'm going to have my own business and uh, uh, create ideas and then sell them to customers that likes them and uh, and yeah then I just started and um, since then I, I basically just continued I worked within the media and uh, uh, mostly I've done that by running my own little company um, and I just think it's so much fun so I can't really stop. What is it with entrepreneurship that makes it so interesting? Um, I think it's uh, the fact that you can create something of your own and then um, when you sell it to someone else uh, that's actually just it's not about uh, money it's more about the confirmation that it's a good idea or a good concept and something that that person really needs so in in some way it's kind of about um, getting the what's the english word the Uh, confirmation that you're good at what you're doing uh, mm. and uh, for me that's just such an amazing feeling um, yeah I heard in, in another podcast where you visited that you discussed you know if you would choose to choose between money or power and you, I think you chose power but it's that I think that for me when you say that it comes to you know something that it comes to mind is about impact 
I don't know if that's something that you also recognize. Absolutely. And I think what I also learned is that I've always run my own company uh, just myself. And uh, I've been really kind of afraid or hesitant to, to employ people because I thought, oh, that's so much work. And I mean, I've been, uh, I've been then have had various uh, positions as a leader. And I realized that actually, if you want to create impact, you need to um, have people around you. And being good at or trying to work with leadership is the best way to create impact because you can't do, you can only do so much yourself. And that's been a really fun experience for me, I think. And, and speaking of leadership, uh, you made your 100 days as a new CEO of Break It into a blog or a series of articles. Uh, how, how did you come up with that idea? Um, so I started working at Break It a few years ago um, as head of the business development. And I also stepped in as a small uh, owner of the company. Um, so I, I did have quite a lot of experience from Break It. But it still it was such... Um, a new experience to be uh, the CEO over 14 people and especially when the two founders, uh, Stefan Lundell and Ola Aronsson, uh, worked and still works in the company. Um, and Ole was the CEO before me. So I thought, well, I have all these questions and doubts and uh, I'm probably not alone. There must be quite a lot of new CEOs who, who don't have a clue on what they're doing. Um, and I think it was our editor-in-chief, Jon, who said that you should write about this in some way. Mm. Um, and then there's this saying that a new CEO has uh, 100 days to lay out a, a new plan for the company and like start working on it. So mm. I thought uh, maybe there is something there with those 100 days. And, um, and that was basically the concept. And I started writing and I named the, the, the article series uh, my first 100 days as a CEO. Um, and for some reason, I don't know, people seem to have liked it because I never got so much response and emails and feedback uh, ever on anything yeah. I've done. So yeah, you've, <laughs> yeah. Got a, yeah. Uh, you've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. I've seen that as well. I mean, when, what if you were to summarize that, what have people appreciated? Um, but what most people have said is that uh, finally someone is so transparent about not just the ups but also the downs with running a company uh, mm. and that's so nice to read and and that really surprises me because i don't really think that i i've done something special at all i've just been writing about you know my days and my my doubts and my questions and my plans and uh, yeah. Um, I don't think that is that big of a deal, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we're so used to just reading and uh, hearing about successful leaders, and and when someone writes something that is more like they were showing doubt, that's quite mm. uncommon, I guess. I am definitely a risk taker. Um, mm. Maybe not, not not like a huge risk risk taker, but I like to uh, compete and to um, if I'm going to do something, I and it has some kind of element of risk. It's much more fun. Um, so yeah, it, 
and maybe it's also some kind of I don't know acknowledgement again that you that some you have done something that actually other people like, uh, which is kind of the purest form of entrepreneurship, I guess. Mm. And is that something you can bring into your position today as a CEO? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I mean, when I think back at what I've done, I sometimes I think that uh, if I if I would have started a company um, after university, for example, and employed people, and it, it would have been much, I, I would have been such a successful entrepreneur at this point. But instead, I've just been hopping around to different positions and running my own little business. And uh, but actually, I've learned so much from that. Uh, like one of my biggest the learnings uh, in my career was when I, uh, during a time in this uh, in my media career, I bought this uh, little dental magazine. Um, it was basically I had this big vision of uh, that I was going to start a magazine company and I was going to own a lot of magazines and. It was basically one magazine for sale in the entire media industry, and it was about mm. dentistry. Uh, and I knew nothing <laughs> about it at all. I didn't even yeah. think it was fa- interesting or fun or anything. But um, I managed to take a loan, um, and uh, from the bank, I think it was, uh, I think I bought it for two hundred thousand crowns, uh, yeah. and it was it was a lot of money for me at that point. Um, mm. And uh, I bought this magazine, and I just realized. Fuck what I've done. What have I done? Yeah. Uh, I bought a dental magazine that I know absolutely nothing uh, about. So, uh, uh, but then, but then I just had to kind of uh, get going and uh, start selling ads and start uh, writing articles and finding people who could write about dentistry and uh, uh, and after three, I've had that magazine for three years and then I sold it to another company. And mm. that was basically the best thing I've done because I could use that still uh, at Bake It, what I learned from that magazine. And it sounds like you're a, a, an entrepreneur at heart, really. Yeah, but I, I, I definitely don't recommend buying a dental magazine <laughs> if you are not interested <laughs> in the subject. Just did don't you get do in, it. Did, did you get interested in, in to dental <laughs> stuff? Uh, to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, I remember the first issue of the magazine that I was responsible for. Um, I, because I didn't know that much of the subject, uh, the articles was, they were kind of not really uh, fit for the, for the audience. Uh, for example, we had an article about how to get more uh, customers as, as a dentist. But mm. the reality is that most, a lot of dentists have like uh, too much, uh, too many customers. They don't want to have more customers. Um, they have okay. like a waiting line on one year or something. So it was mm. just, I don't know. It was a little <laughs> bit, it just became wrong there. I'm, I'm thinking about your your uh, back to your blog and or the series of uh, your first or your 100 days as a new CEO of Break It. What would you say are the biggest learnings or takeaways from that? Um, I wrote a lot about my my big kind of plan for Break It. I thought that I was going to create this uh, really visionary plan and, and then I was going to present it to our employees and I put a lot of effort into budget and the um, financial planning. And 
then after 100 days I almost had to kind of throw it all away because uh, corona came it was really bad timing and mm. there were I mean there had been a lot of people who said to me don't plan too much you will have to change everything anyway mm. um, but I, I didn't really listen I, and um, uh, I realized that they were right <laughs> after but I mean on the other hand I think it was good for me to to kind of as a new CEO work things through um, so maybe the the learning for me is that planning is good but you need to be aware that you probably have to change everything mm. um, another big learning is that uh, I really have a lot of answers within myself um, like I tend to listen quite a lot to what other uh, more experienced people say to me um, that I should do uh, like I, I get a lot of advice uh, because Break It is a well-known company in, in especially the media industry and people say you should do this and this and uh, you should think like this as a leader and I listen I've, I've been historically I've been listening a lot to those advices but writing about my hundred days um, and kind of seeing my thoughts and conclusions on paper um, made me think quite a lot of times that, Camilla, actually, you know what you're doing, mm. uh, which was a really nice feeling. So for me, I, I mean, I, lo- I still love asking people for advice, but I realized that I can also trust myself. And uh, that gave me quite a lot of confidence, I think, as a leader. Yeah. So is that a, um, would you say, is that like a process for you to write things and then to, to learn for yourself? Definitely. It's like writing mm. a diary, really. It's just that you have uh, quite a few more people reading it. Yeah. So like a really like a diary on steroids, basically. <laughs> exactly. Would you recommend other CEOs to do the same? Absolutely. I think it's fun that you say that, actually, because I think it's been one of the best things I've done as a leader to reflect in that sense. And you don't have to publish, in, publish it online, but... Um, mm. Just to get your thoughts and conclusions and and, uh, um, doubts down on a paper, it's just uh, really good for you. One of my challenges was, or I mean it actually still is, that the two founders of Break It work uh, at the company. So basically I'm their boss. But since they are majority owners and I own much less of the company, they are in reality my bosses, which is quite weird. Um, And I mean, to be honest, I've struggled a bit with that situation. I think that would be, well, I think that's the case for many CEOs uh, that work at a company where the founders still work. But Mm. um, and and from start, I think it was the the fact that I thought, especially one of the founders, Stefan, uh, that he put his nose into too many things, to be honest. Mm. And uh, I, I almost tried to like exclude him from decisions just because I wanted it to be clear that I'm the CEO, not him. Mm. And and maybe I think I did it a little bit too much. I was a little bit too hard on him and the other uh, founder too. Um, and almost whenever he, he wanted to say something, I was like, you're not the decision maker here, I am. Mm. Uh, so, so we ended up in a few arguments and... and um, that wasn't that nice, but I mean, we're, we're completely fine now and uh, I love him. We're, we work really well together. But mm. I, I think uh, what I learned from, is, from that is um, 
uh, is that I need to find kind of a balance between doing my own thing and engaging the founders because they are actually great at having in the company. Um, and uh, I would recommend other CEOs maybe to not to be too hard on the founders, but also not to be too nice on them <laughs> either. So you, you come to towards the end of this 100 days and all of a sudden we're hit by this huge pandemic. How did you react and uh, to that? Uh, I was actually in Spain when uh, I got when I realized that this this was actually a big crisis and um, it was as if it got worse for every day um, and at one point it just hit me that wow this is this is going to be uh, difficult um, mm. and I got back to Sweden and we quite quickly decided that we need to take action we couldn't work from the office anymore and uh, at the same time we got calls from clients who said that we need to uh, stop our business with you because we need to save money um, and we need we needed to cancel uh, some a few of our or all our events during the spring mm. uh, which was really big deal for us or we we hope that we can uh, do them this autumn instead but uh, uh, i think it was weird because at one um, one day I was uh, really worried and uh, sad because we did we had to do some changes in our at our employees and uh, one day I was uh, really excited and like you we're gonna make this uh, success we can do this uh, uh, so it, I don't know it was uh, really schizophrenic in one way. Um, mm. And I just kept working on, I guess. And I'm, I'm still yeah. in that phase. Yeah, I was just about to ask, so what is it like now? What is, if you describe Break It today? Um, I, I'd say it, it's, quite, uh, it's quite like what I just described. It's as if we're still in, in the middle of the storm, really. Mm. Um, and I can still have moments when I think, God, what, what's going to happen now? But most of the time, I just feel uh, that we are um, we're going to use this crisis to uh, do even better stuff for our customers and for our readers, and we're going to make this through. What kind of? Um stories are you looking for right now yeah so we're we've done a lot of reporting and, and still do a lot of reporting about uh, the different um, uh, packages for entrepreneurs so uh, mm. for example that you can use cottage permitting i don't know the english word but uh, mm. yeah, that your your employees can uh, work less uh, and you you get to you get money from the state basically um, yeah. and that's people been really really happy about those articles uh, so we, we continue to report about that mm. uh, and then we well it's it's this the same thing as all the time I guess um, companies that uh, have uh, used uh, a Christ to do something good um, and to do a turnaround uh, or well it could also be the opposite that we report about companies that are have gone into bankruptcy or uh, mm. have, are facing problems because that's that's also something that our readers want to read about. 
going back to break it and your role there as, as a CEO, how has that been impacted by the Corona pandemic? Um, I think it's uh, it, it's been um, quite a big deal for me at least. I, I've been forced to uh, be much more hands-on um, because of, of various reasons. First of all, we're working on on distance, so it's uh, it's um, you have to be really clear with everything. And okay, so you do this until tomorrow, uh, and you do this until tomorrow, and uh, what what are we doing on this issue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the the biggest thing is that we've been acting quite quick uh, in creating new business. Um, uh, business or new products for break it so for example we've launched um, an uh, online uh, education for our readers that we uh, call break it crash course um, and this is a completely new product we've never worked with online education before so uh, everyone are kind of beginners on that uh, and mm. that that makes me be having to be much more hands-on and involved in the projects than i'm than Well, I'm always quite involved, to be honest, but now I'm like involved all the time. Um, So, and I've been, I don't know, I've been, I don't know if that's right or wrong, actually. I've been questioning my leadership uh, uh, model quite a lot recently. I've been thinking, am I being too hands-on and am I uh, people having to, to ask me all the time about different things, uh, what, uh, or is or is that just good? Do people like that in a crisis situation? Uh, and and I don't know. Uh, I think it is good in one way to be a little bit mm. more hands-on, but uh, uh, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's pretty natural that different situations, uh, you know, um, demand a different type of leadership, but. Um, I mean, do you see that also now from you that your leadership style, so to say, I mean, has changed or needs to change uh, or be you'd need to pick out different sides of your of yourself in this situation? Um, Absolutely. I also think in in a sense, um, I'm quite an an enthusiastic leader. I like to inspire and be like, we can do this and let's celebrate with champagne and not Prosecco it needs to be real champagne and yeah. uh, just like I like to I like to enthusiast people enthusiasm people and um, now I think uh, people also need um, you, you can't be too too much of that in a crisis you also need to be able to be serious and say okay uh, so we lost uh, quite a lot of money now because of the clients that are stopping their campaigns and we can't do our events like this is serious for us uh, but we can still do it and we're going to do x and y and z um, so let's do this together and uh, we're not going to be stopped by the corona crisis you have to kind of be both both serious and uh, visionary mm. and um, that's uh, that's quite a new experience for me but i think uh, it's been really uh, interesting to learn that. So, Camilla, we've got one of our listener questions that we have every every week in Get Savvy. And this week, uh, naturally, uh, the question is related to uh, 
the corona outbreak. And uh, we have somebody here who wants to hear your view um, on how to handle the situation with COVID-19 when there's no end date, it says. So, I mean, how do you see that, this, this uncertainty of how, how, how long is the time frame, basically, for, for this situation that we have right now? I got an advice which I've been trying to use myself, and that is to work with different kind of scenarios. Um, it's called scenario planning, and uh, basically what you do is that you uh, you create a few different scenarios that you think that the world might end up in. And okay. uh, obviously that's really difficult. You have no idea, but uh, well, you still have a little bit of an idea. For example, yeah. in my case, um, I can think of a world that where people abs- where people are don't want to meet each other. Uh, so uh, they will continue like this, working from home and um, don't want to go on events, etc., etc. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one scenario. Yeah. Another one scenario is that uh, the corona crisis will just pass over and everyone wants to meet and just runs out on the street and want to go on events and, and meet all the time and hate this webinar trend, etc., yeah. etc. Et so that's one uh, scenario. And then you can probably come up with a few more that you think are realistic for, for your company. Mm. Um, and by doing that and, and not just looking at the worst case scenario, because the, the problem with the, do we creating a worst case scenario is that it might be a self fulfilling reality um, mm. and you, you might start to working after that rather than trying to get out of it. Uh, yeah. But when you have different scenarios, you can then think, okay, so what do we do if it's scenario, if, if it becomes scenario one or if it's scenario two or three or four? So four is, is quite a good number I've learned. Um, okay. And in Breakit's case, uh, if we look at those two scenarios that I just said, uh, it's quite easy for me to plan after that, uh, mm. I can then do different uh, plans with my employees and uh, we have much of, it, it just feels much more secure than to say, oh, we have no idea. So let's just uh, wait and see. That's, mm. I don't think that's a good idea at all. And, and how, how do you, I mean, how do you come up with these scenarios? Did you, is there any methodology that you would, that you could help us understand or do you just sit and think? <laughs> so in my case, I got this uh, advice from Charlotte Mattfolk. She's um, a management consultant and she worked with um, scenario planning for many years. Um, and uh, first of all, uh, you could, you can try to collect uh, sources or you can read articles uh, um, you can ask experts but I think most of us um, can actually imagine those different scenarios if you just sit down and think about it and talk with your colleagues Uh, Mm. because I mean you kind of have to think that the world it's not going to collapse, uh, or that's at least what I think. And may, well, if you think that, then have a scenario for that. Uh, mm. But I think most of us can think out these scenarios if we just take the time and uh, discuss it with other people. Yeah. Well, that, that's great advice. I'm, I'm curious about your number three or four. If, would you mind sharing if you had more than those two? Or do you work with those two that you just mentioned at Break It? Um, it, so in my case, I mean, it, this sounds much more uh, 
much more serious and thought through than it actually is. Mm. It's not that I have written down like many pages of different scenarios. I just basically thought in my head and wrote down a few lines. So in our case, I think those two scenarios are the main ones. And then scenario three and scenario four is just a combination of them. Uh, So basically one is that, um, number three is that uh, people uh, want to meet, but they can be a bit more hesitant to do so. Uh, And if so, we could still have physical events, but we need to make sure that people can buy online tickets and uh, watch our events online. Um, And the other uh, scenario is that um, people... uh, will be much more uh, working from home and online, but they can still meet in different situations where they think it's important. And then Mm. we have to plan for that. Mm. So for us, it has a lot to do with will people want to meet or not? Uh, Because that's part of our business model. Uh, For other companies, it could be something completely different. And, and, and I'm thinking about the listener question there about the timing then. So, I mean, you have those scenarios, but then... Then does time become less important then of of this or how do you see that? Yeah, I think you're right in that because uh, if you have thought through uh, what different uh, scenarios you can end up in, then it doesn't really matter when it happens. Either it's a, if it's after the summer, well, then you just push the button and do uh, what you think is good for that scenario. Or if it happens next year or in two years, then you can do it then. Uh, and you probably will have to change those scenarios all the time mm. um, anyway. But have uh, you, when you, when you did yours, have you then had like an idea that this scenario A would be in six months? When- that's actually a good question because I, I started off with uh, thinking that, well, after the summer, everything is back to business and it mm. might be... Uh, well, it might be a little bit changed, etc., etc. But then I, I have come to realize that I think it's more, uh, it's probably better to think that uh, things will take longer time than you think. So um, I think maybe I'm, I'm now looking at 2021. But, yeah. and this is really important, you need to be prepared. So if things go back to normal in the autumn, you can't just sit there. Then you have to push your button for the scenario that says everything is back to normal. So Camilla, in a, in a crisis situation, it's quite easy to get paralyzed and freeze. Uh, how do you see that when it comes to kind of innovation and uh, continuing to develop uh, a company or break it in, in, in specific? Have you, how, how has that been for you? Um, I think uh, this is where you have to step up as a leader and uh, and not be paralyzed, basically. Mm. And uh, and I think a lot of leaders has that inside of them. Um, and uh, for us, I mean, it's funny in a way because we've never. It feels like we've never been that innovative as we are now. Um, because in, in such a short time, we basically went from celebrating in champagne uh, or with champagne uh, that we we'd done so many great businesses and, and had so many new clients. And 
in, in just a few weeks, we've lost a few million crowns uh, in business. We've had to shut down our events and our event business was a third of our revenue. So uh, we had to re- do something. Mm. Um, and in our case, we it just came really naturally. I don't know. I, I don't know really, really why. I think I have fantastic uh, employees, but um, we we basically uh, just talked and and uh, we said, okay, so if we can't do our events, what are we going to do instead? Uh, mm. What do people want to have now? Yeah. Uh, and then we've been thinking about starting edu- like some kind of courses or education for quite a long time. And then we just said, well, let's do that now and let's do it online. Let's really break it and we're a tech website. It's better to have it online anyway. Um, mm. So what are we going to do then? And uh, okay, so we need to find uh, some way of having those online courses. And what are we going to call it? Let's call it Break It Crash Course. Uh, we need a logo. Uh, let's do that. We need some... Um, uh, course leaders, of course, <laughs> and then we just kind of uh, handled out the, the different tasks on different people, and our editorial team were really enthusiastic too and wrote about this, and and everyone just, I think everyone was really happy that we did something because that makes people uh, think that if if they work hard and if they have a goal, then they become motivated. So. Yeah. Uh, People have said that they are having so much fun working at Breaking now, uh, which is fantastic, I think. And I'm, I'm mm. so happy to have those sort of people. <laughs> um, but but it's, yeah. it's something in the fact that a price uh, uh, creates innovation. It's, it's true. Yeah, someone told me once that, you know, uh, creativity, which I think is very closely linked to innovation, is about uh, kind of testing, like pushing the boundaries or, or realizing the boundaries. And I guess that, you know, in a crisis, the boundaries or the frame that you have to operate within kind of changes or becomes maybe even smaller. And then that could actually then influence your creativity. I don't know if that could be part of it. Maybe it's just a thought, but uh, I don't know how you Absolutely. see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you, we all, because also you don't have another option. What, mm. what would be the other option is to just sit there and, and uh, hope that Corona is going to blow over and uh, everything will be back to normal. But I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Looking ahead, we discussed a little bit the time um, perspective into the corona crisis. We discussed it in terms of um, entrepreneurship and break it in particular. But I'm thinking more in general in society. If you were to kind of look into the the magic eight ball right now, what what do you see a year from now? Um, I mean, it is it is really, of course, it's absolutely horrible with uh, what's happening now with with people dying in. Uh, COVID-19 and uh, it's it's a big crisis with all the companies that um, that can't that don't make it um, but I think at the same time um, we're going through something that also can be really good uh, I'm absolutely not saying corona is good uh, not at all uh, what I'm saying is that it creates um, effects that are good uh, for example uh, if we look at the um, the environment and the environmental questions. Um, we have stopped flying. We are uh, much more aware of how much we're traveling. Uh, we um, 
uh, we are uh, using, we are getting more digital. Uh, and I've learned so much myself about how to become more tech savvy these weeks. And, and that's something really good. And, and we're becoming more innovative and creating new products that are really good for people and necessary and not just something we uh, want to sell and, and uh, for people to just buy. It's, it's actually uh, a lot of important products and services that are developed at the moment. So I look at the future, I look at a bright future. I think, you know, a year, uh, we, we might still have, of course, issues from Corona, but I also think that it will be uh, a lot of good things that have happened. We have a final question for you, Camilla. If, um, if we were to invite somebody, we usually ask our guests to, to recommend somebody. Who, who would that be for you? Who do you want us to interview? Um, yes, that's a great question. Uh, there are so many fantastic people, but I would choose Elvira Eriksson. She's the founder and CEO over, um, uh, of the watch label Mockberg. So they create really nice... Um, watches and also mm. accessories and I think she's uh, we've had her at a, a few hour break it events and she's such an inspiring person she um, she has also faced huge uh, difficulties during with her company during the corona crisis um, and uh, that has made her and her uh, company having to reinvent themselves and are now um, creating new products uh, and, and just uh, thinking innovative. And I think that's really inspiring. Uh, I would love to hear more about her. Thanks a lot, Camilla, for joining us in Get Savvy. And thanks a lot for wanting to help us to share knowledge and savviness to entrepreneurs who listen to this uh, podcast. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Mm.